This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's a place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome, folks. <laughs> Dr. Charles Parker back one more time here at Core Brain Journal, and we have a highly esteemed guest today an internationally prominent expert on cognition, one of our favorite topics. You know, so often in this country, we're treating thinking without thinking about thinking. It is amazing to me that the criteria for treating individuals with thinking problems is still appearances. Now, you, you, you know I already think about this. So our guest today is none other than Dr. Ned Hollowell, and welcome, Ned. We're so happy to have you on board. Great to be with you, Chuck, and uh, thank you for all you do. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. You're producing this podcast and writing your books and, and all the many, many contributions you've made. You're very kind. I mean, it's fun working together, even though it's uh, a distant. You know, folks who don't know, 1994, Dr. Hall Hollowell with Dr. John Rady wrote Driven to Distraction, 1994 was the beginning of the change of the revolution in mind science, and Dr. Hollowell was one of the people who brought that to the American public and said, hey, guys, we're missing a tremendous amount here. So we'll come back and talk more about his introduction in just a moment. First of all, I'm going to share with you a little word from our sponsors. You listeners already know how much we love the reality of data here at CBJ, and today we welcome our clinical friend, and our new sponsor partner, Direct Health Access Laboratory. With over 3 million studies, they are deep leaders of experience with the big picture of measuring, for example, methylation, cryptopyrrole, and copper challenges. They have a global service with a molecular focus. Stay tuned and check them out at dhalab.com forward slash core. And then you also know how much we appreciate detailed improvements of mind care on many levels. And today we're also pleased to welcome a new sponsor and partner with a deep interest in fresh options to address the complexity of adolescent treatment failure nationally and internationally. For 80 years, the nonprofit Barry Robinson Center teams in Norfolk, Virginia, provide residential care on an evolved family, interpersonal, indeed, Global level, they're TRICARE friendly. Take a look at their website, barryrobinson.org forward slash core. You can see that's B-A-R-R-Y robinson.org forward slash core. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Hollowell. Honestly, it would take me the full half hour to read his entire CV. The gentleman has been very, very strong in uh, multiple levels of contribution to mind science, including no less than... 20 books on various psychological topics, including attention deficit disorder, the power of human connection, childhood roots of happiness in life, and managing excessive busyness. He's an internationally recognized speaker. He's presented to thousands on topics such as ADHD, strategies on handling your fast-paced life, childhood roots of adult happiness, He's been on the Today Show, Dateline, Good Morning America, The Jane Pauley Show, and The View, and many, many more. New York Times, USA, USA Today, Newsweek, 
I'm not going to continue to read it. I'm just going to say thank you so much for joining us. And just document one more time, driven to distraction, changed all of our lives. Mine specifically, when, I, when the light dawned on me in 1996, thank you very much, Ned, for shining a light over my way. Thank you, Chuck. <laughs> so what we want to do is hear a little bit about Dr. Hollowell. What are you doing right now? What's your favorite topic? What are you fired up and passionate about? You got so many irons in the fire. I know you started a podcast. Let's yeah, I, I've got this wonderful podcast going. Uh, you and I both. Uh, mine is called Distraction. And uh, every Monday I go down to a studio in New Haven and a marvelous outfit called CRN produces it, which I couldn't possibly do what you're doing, Chuck, uh, <laughs> do it on my own. So I admire you. Hats off to you. Uh, my podcast, Distraction, uh, I, I, someone else does it for me. I mean, I, I talk the words, but they do the engineering, which uh, the, I've got a wonderful producer and a wonderful engineer, the producer, Sarah Curtin, the engineer, uh, Scott Person. Uh, they're, they're, they're terrific. So I'm excited about doing that. I also have just finished writing a memoir, which is totally different from anything I've ever written. Mm. It's, it's not about ADD at all. It's about my childhood and my training, early training in psychiatry. The, the title is Because I Come from a Crazy Family. The making of a psychiatrist. And, uh, it, it won't come out. It takes them for uh, the book is done, but it takes them forever to publish it. So it won't come out until June of next year. But uh, I've really poured uh, a lot of uh, stories into that, and my heart and soul really. And now I'm embarking on a new book. It's been over ten years since Delivered from Distraction came out. So John Rady and I are doing the third in our series of distraction books, and that, that'll come out sometime in 2018. So I'm right now, I'm collecting stories for it, and John is uh, collecting theories, and uh, uh, we, we, have, we have our collaboration down pretty well by now. John is a great guy. I mean, you, you guys are a pair. You must have a great time putting it together because we, you have such a, interesting perspectives. We do. We really do. And, and uh, I'm lucky he was my chief resident, you know, so in, in psychiatry. So we go back all the way to 1979. And um, we've, we've become uh, wonderful friends in the process. And it's, it's been a terrific uh, collaboration. Uh, so it's sort of like Gilbert and Sullivan, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what happens with me, Ned, one of my uh, uh, pet peeves is this whole thing about cognition and thinking. And it's amazing uh, to me how dysfunctional we are regarding dealing with brain function uh -huh. as a means of understanding human beings and the complexity of the human mind. I mean, we skip this over all the time. And one of, the, one of the things I'm concerned about, and I make a clarification about this with every evaluation I do, is a person said, well, do you, are you telling me that I have uh, attention deficit disorder? And I said, well, I look at attention deficit disorder as sort of the stepchild of executive function. Uh -huh. It's the visible person, and it's the, it's the child that's out of control or in some ways more visibly out of control. They don't have to be hyperactive, of course. But executive function is a larger picture where we see individuals who have really cognitive disarrays going on that are not overtly visible, and yet they're suffering with them throughout their lives. And, mm -hmm. and I know you're an expert on that. Would you like to uh, address that point at all? 
Oh, yeah, very much. So. I mean, what's cool is we're, we're discovering more and more, you know, and, and as you know, I don't think of ADD as a disorder, I think of it as a trait. And if you manage it, right, it can become an asset. And if you don't, you can end up in prison. So it's, it's a very interesting two edged sword that has advantages that go with it and, and significant disadvantages. And one of the disadvantages that John and I have been talking about uh, is this thing called the default mode network. And, and I'm so excited about this because it explains so much. Let me take a minute and explain it. So when you're engaged in a task, uh, there are four regions of the brain that light up and you can see this on fMRI. So this is not theory at all. And, and, it, and what activates is called the task positive network, the TPN. So when you're engaged in a task, that lights up and you're swimming along and you're, you're, you're functioning well. But when you finish the task, when you finish baking the loaf of bread or uh, composing the song or whatever it is you're doing, the old thinking was that the brain goes silent. It sort of goes offline. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. The fact is your brain consumes more energy, more glucose when it's not in the task positive network than, than, than when it is. And what lights up are four other centers of the brain in the, in the default mode network, the DMN, which I call the demon. Why do I call it the demon? Because the demon bubbles up, particularly in people with ADD, bubbles up all the negative stuff. And I'd use another S word if I weren't the, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> On air. All the negative stuff that we so often contend with, the worries, the self-critique, the I'm bad, life is bad, everything's bad, the awfulizing, the, the, the you know, the saying everything's going to, I'm going to be broke on the street and I'm a loser and I'm no good. And, and this stuff just bubbles up. And what happens is we get riveted by it because it's gripping. You know, you don't say he was riveted in contentment. You do say he was riveted in worry and fear and negative thinking, and this is the demon. This is the DMN at work, and so, and and it it's, it reflects so many of us with ADD, including myself. And 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 the beauty of this insight is you can control it. So how do you control it? You control it by calling it blah blah blah. One of the people who has a piece on YouTube about it just says calls it calls it the blah 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 network. So. When that starts bubbling up, just say, blah, blah, blah. And then you have to focus on something else. So to reconnect with the task positive network. And what I suggest, since it's always with you, is that you focus on your breathing. So, but it has to be a specific pattern of breathing, enough of a, that, you, that you focus on it. So like eight, eight beats in, hold three beats, eight beats out, hold three beats. And if you do that, you re-engage, you reignite the task positive network and you shut off the demon. It's, it's such a powerful insight because so many of the, me, myself included, it contend with this relentless uh, downtime, your sort of reposed position of worry, negative thinking, gloom and doom. Sometimes they end up getting treated for depression when they, that's not what it is, or getting treated for anxiety, which is not what it is. It's just the DMN going out of control, and, and you can shut it off simply by focusing on something else. That is so interesting. I'm looking yeah. forward to reading about it. I mean, you know, I have not, that's something I haven't been tracking, but it's so interesting from this point of view. I can't tell you how many people I've interviewed who are saying similar things, 
without having that knowledge and that linguistic system to hang the hat on. It's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's new to John and me as well, but it's not new to neuroscience. There's a radiologist who discovered it, uh, Rickley, out in, at Washington University in St. Louis about 10 years ago. But if you Google the DMN, the default mode network, you'll see there's a ton of stuff now. There's a guy at MIT, Gabrielli, who's been leading the way. Uh, it's, I think, the really hot new topic that is going to explain so much of the, the negative aspects of ADD that don't get subsumed under executive function disorder. Uh, it's the two of the centers in the DMN are the hippocampus and the amygdala. So the hippocampus shoots up all the negative memories that you've ever had. And the amygdala, of course, you know, shoots up fear and rage. And so you get these two poisonous, you know, every negative thing you've ever done and, and, and send that through the anger or fear center. And, you, you know, you're bathing in misery in, in seconds. The interlopers come in and create unmanageable cognitive abundance. They just run the show. Yes. And yes. then the issue is you got to figure out a way to turn them off. And I hadn't heard about that type of, it's a meditative experience, it sounds like. Yeah, but you don't even have to meditate. Just focus on your breathing. It's, uh, uh, breathing is, a, is a, an incredibly powerful tool that we sort of take for granted. But by focusing on it, and you have to do more than just focus in, out, in, out. Give yourself a specific pattern, something that's complex enough to demand your attention to take your attention away from the DMN because the DMN is always sucking on you. It's why mm -hmm. we people with ADD always have the feeling that we're never 100% there. That's the DMN sucking away at you, trying to pull you out of the present moment. And, and so, you know, you, you, you really, it's, it's, you, you really need things to, to put your full focus on. Like right now, talking to you, I'm fully focused on what we're talking about. If I weren't, that DMN would be pulling me out of this conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to tell you, this reminds me of the conversation, I mean, the presentation that you did, Chad, several years ago. And, and it's been a theme of yours. So, you know, I've, I've listened to you on YouTube and so on. But the whole business of that whole uh, accelerator metaphor, you know, the brake and the accelerator and right. how, you, how you keep all of that organized when you're driving the car down the road, you know, right. and and have so many people just keep that hammer down yeah. and they don't have a consciousness that in fact that foot is on the pedal is on the metal right 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 and that's the the blessing and the curse of ADD is we have this powerful engine but we have devil of a time controlling it you know you're slowing it down uh, you know and, and so that explains you know the the good stuff we do but the trouble we get into well, Ned, I'm going to come back and ask you this question. It's a, and this is a deeper question. It's the reason I want to kind of do the sponsor thing real quickly here, because this deeper question is really, you know, simply stated, where are we going? I mean, we have a whole issue here. You're saying something that is going to be um, exciting and different for a number of people. But we have so many people in this country who are really just thinking, okay, we're going to do meds for that symptom. We're going to just get some mid meds done and that's going to be it. So the question I'm going to ask you when we get back after we take a brief break here is where collectively should we be going with the diversity of information, the complexity of mind science that we're dealing? What should the ordinary person on the street think about that evolution? And what should our medical professionals undertake to move the needle forward 
to actually intercede more uh, constructively with people they treat? That's a big, big question. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. So we're going to take a brief break, folks, and we're going to put Dr. Hollowell in the spot when we get back and see what he thinks about that question. So back in a minute. Well, folks, you know as well as I do that psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medication trials and those very, very brief hospitalizations, may prove insufficient to deal at home with the complexity of troubled children and and those adolescents from 6 to 17 years old. Improved care, those next mandatory steps, should include a more comprehensive approach to address those multiple levels of challenges, from family to peers to school, diagnostically from defiance to depression on every level for families, including military families internationally. The Barry Robinson Center's 32-acre open college-like campus in Norfolk, Virginia, provides safety and security and clean, comfortable living. How do we know we refer folks over there all the time, strongly endorse what they're doing? So for further information and informed interview, connect at this page, barryrobinson.org forward slash core. Well, you folks already know that here at Core Brain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable. For my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, remarkably effective research offers useful, cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing, now available globally for a variety of molecular answers from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrole challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's d-h-a-l-a-b.com forward slash core. Well, here we are back, folks, and Dr. Hollowell, you know, the simple statement is that what do we do about it? Part of what you were talking about there is something we can do about it, but I think in a, in a certain way, and one of the reasons it's such a pleasure talking to a guy like you, because you've got such a diversity of information, so your, your deep knowledge. The next question is, there's a science that we're trying to move forward, and yet there's also a translation of the science down to the public, which is why you're doing your podcast and why you're here on mine, because we're both trying to make something happen with the public. My own feeling is, and uh, maybe it's stated a little more easily, if the public understands what's going on, I think they're going to contribute significantly to the evolution of mind science. I think we medical professionals are really stuck in an outdated mode of dealing with the complexity of this problem. What, What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, the more we can educate the the public, the better off we'll all be. There's no field of medicine where uh, implementation uh, lags behind the science more dramatically than in mental health. We mm-hmm. we know a lot more than we use. We know a lot more than the, the public accesses. And part of that is because, you know, centuries, millennia of stigma make people afraid of it. 
Uh, part of that is because uh, there are irresponsible people, you know, writing scary tracts that scare people away. Um, and, and part of it is just that, you know, in this information age, it's very hard to separate what, what's true from what isn't true. But the, the, the good news is most of what we know uh, is really useful. Uh, the bad news is people aren't using it. So, so uh, you know, <laughs> isn't that the, that's yeah. so true? <laughs> you know, so so uh, um, my motto as a clinician, and you and I are both clinicians. We actually see patients. We don't just uh, theorize. You know, is whatever works as long as it's safe and it's legal. So uh, fortunately, we have a lot of tools in our toolboxes. A lot of interventions that work and. Around ADD, the one that uh, leads the way is the one that people fear the most, namely medication. I mean, medication happens to be, when it's used properly, very safe and very effective. But most people think, oh my God, no, it's terribly dangerous and it's uh, overprescribed and you're going to get addicted and you're going to become psychotic and all this kind of scary stuff that, you know. Now, the future, I think the future lies in non medication interventions, but we're not there yet. We're getting there. Uh, and certainly, uh, you know, the mainstays of the non-medication interventions have been with us forever. Exercise, diet, sleep, meditation, those have always been with us, and they're extremely important. John Rady wrote a whole book about the power of exercise in the brain. So, mm -hmm. so for sure, we have very reliable non-medication interventions, but in terms of what you go to a doctor for, the, the medications are very safe, very effective, and, and, a, and a true godsend as long as they're used properly. And that is the point, used properly. Yeah. You know, because so many people wind up saying, you know, very amorphous, asking very amorphous questions and have amorphous targets and uh, unclear ideas of what the medication should really do in the first place. I mean, my own thought about it is I think increasingly we're reaching a point where people who are going to use controlled substances to treat executive function challenges almost need a separate certification if they're going to take that level of responsibility on. Because, mm -hmm. of course, the problem with that, of course, it would, it would prevent a lot of people who are trying to do the best job they can just by, just by using the symptoms alone. Uh, and there are a lot of people that wouldn't be helped if we did that kind of certification process because... Right. You know, that, that is a problem. But on the other hand, something like that does need to be done, even if it's not a, you know, three-year residency somewhere. They, are you certified? Do you know what these medications do? Do you know what the specific medication duration of effectiveness should be? That sort of thing. So, Right, right, right. And, and uh, um, you know, again, it, uh, obviously it always comes back to education of the, of the patient, of the doctor, you know, of the family, the uh, and, and a respect for the power of these medications so that they're not, they're not used willy-nilly and without proper, proper supervision, you know. And, and uh, you know, some of these people ask me, you know, do you, do you believe in Ritalin? And my answer is it's not a religious principle. <laughs> it, 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 it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a medication. And, and uh, when you use it right, it can be wonderful. And if you use it wrong, it, it can be horrible. So, so, you know, the, unfortunately, medication ADD becomes sort of a hot button issue and all kinds of emotions come into play when what we really need is the cool light of science.
Well, you know, I think you did a good job with that on when you had the business book. I, I don't recall the, the title of it right now where you were talking about yeah. executives and how right. their performance levels really were, they, they weren't hyperactive, they weren't standing on their desks, they weren't throwing pencils right. at each other, but they were had right. a certain measure of inefficiency based on executive function challenges. I, I think that was a very interesting contribution because it takes it to the public in a much more um, utilitarian way, you know, because yeah, then the number, the, I'm sorry, no, the, number one, the number one request executives have these days is not for a new strategy, new marketing, new tax, what have you. It's increased focus. The how do we deal with the information overload, with the age of distraction that we live in? How, how do we retain focus? And, and operate at our, at our best. Tim Armstrong, who uh, took over um, uh, AOL and, you know, AOL combined with Yahoo and Verizon, huge company, uh, is very open about his having ADD himself. And uh, he mandated at, at, in that enormous company what he calls 10% think time, where each executive is required to spend 10%, only 10% of every work week thinking sitting alone in a room with no electronic device, no meeting, no agenda, no distraction, and just thinking. And he said, he, it's amazing how productivity increased, how people actually wrestled with ideas and thought them out instead of just shooting from the hip and saying, oh, try this, try that, try this, try that. They'd come into his office with an actually well thought out idea. It's, it's, yeah, uh, we've had, and that, that whole thing is so interesting. I saw a guy, and his name doesn't occur to me right off, who uh, lectured to Google. Uh, and was really uh, talking about meditation and how his own anxiety was so overwhelming and that meditation actually helped him find peace within himself, organize his thoughts, and actually behave more productively uh, in his work. I mean, that mm -hmm. whole thing is, is I think the, the business people are paying attention to it, no question about it. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So then you also had a, another book, which I thought was interesting, because you've talked in, uh, and, and spoken through words on a number of issues regarding the development of the family. And it sounds like that's kind of where you're going a little bit on a personal level. You may be telling a personal story, but it sounds like you're going into that larger conversation of being understood even as a child. Well, I, I uh, you know, my most cherished goal in life was to create uh, the happy family I didn't have. And, and it, it, I didn't have a happy family growing up. It was no one's fault. It was just accidents of genetics and, and fate. Um, but I, I, I really wanted more than anything to uh, find a woman who would, uh, you know, with whom I could create a, a, a family and, and give those three kids the happy childhood. That, mm -hmm. that I so wanted uh, for myself. And, and now they're 28, 25, and, and 22, and I can honestly say Sue and I did it. You know, they, they, I don't know what's going to happen for the rest of their lives, but, but they did have, and each of them would tell you, uh, a very happy childhood. It's funny, I, I, uh, wrote a, I wrote a note for my newsletter where I was saying uh, vacation is overrated. And, uh, you know, people, you know, I don't particularly like vacation because I, I like my work. And Rick Lavoie, one of the wonderful figures in the field, wrote me a note saying, Ned, what are you talking about? You know, be careful now. You don't want to 
you don't want to overlook your family. And I wrote back and I said, Rick, you know, first of all, thank you so much for looking out for me. I really appreciate it. I need that. But I can promise you, you could interview my three kids and they would tell you to a person that uh, I've been there uh, every, every, every second of the way. It's been my, it's been my top priority and, and, and really nothing has given me the, the satisfaction. Of course, I could never have done it without Sue. I mean, she, She's, she's been the, the, the rock, the mainstay. I mean, she's the most amazing woman in the world. And, and uh, thanks to her, uh, we've been able to do it. But I'm, I'm looking right now across my office at a photograph of my daughter, Lucy, uh, in, a, in a photograph with Tom Brady. And uh, she's at work in that photograph because she runs the NFL account for Gray Advertising. And uh, so she's she's with these football players and loving it, working her tail off, but but loving it. And second child Jack has just started working for New York Life, and my youngest Tucker is a senior at Trinity College in Hartford. So, you know, it's it's just, I mean, it, and I'm sure you have the same experience, Chuck. It's just, uh, um, you know, the the, and it's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's so true that. Uh, what matters most are the loving relationships we make along the way. And uh, in my case, it's, it, it's it, the core of it all is my family. It's so true, you know, and the family is the core. And then what happens is if we can just take some of that um, perception, some of that awareness to our workplace and yeah. have that level of respect and communication that really needs to take place then yeah, people, yeah. people do work more effectively together, no question about it. Oh, Chuck, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, it's so, we ought to be able to do it, darn it. You know, we ought to be able to just kind of say, let's have a sudden attack of sanity <laughs> and treat each other well, you know? Everybody, I mean, aside from the few complete misanthropes, everybody would agree with that, you know? And, and uh, why can't we just start doing that? And, and you know, gosh, I mean... I'm a child of the 60s, and that was our dream, you know, and peace and love and all that. We were very naive, but at the same time, it, it, was a, it was a dream that I think pretty much everyone can buy into. Of course, how do you do it is the, is the tough question. Well, we spent a lot of time, just, just a quick sidebar, FYI, you're going to be on our mindset page. We have a separate page at Core Brain Journal with individuals who are talking about the mind and how to actually set it right and keep it going on track. And we've got a number of people over there who are saying yeah. a number of these things that you and I are talking about, and they get into uh, the whole concept of yeah. systems one and systems two thinking. So the relationship uh. of affect and uh, strategy over time and thinking on the long term. Uh. Everything you're talking about right now is systems two thinking. You know, it's a, so what system one? Systems, systems one is reptilian thinking. Like, I'm going uh -huh. to eat you, nothing personal. <laughs> we've, we've been around a few people like that. Yes, <laughs> I, think have, it's, I think it's time for lunch, and Parker's going to be my lunch. <laughs> and uh, that's reptilian thinking. You know, it has no time associated with it, no past, no future. I'm going to get this uh -huh. done right now, which then is limited uh -huh. because it's uh, people think reductionistically and it, it gets rid of the complexity of the situation right. and certainly mind complexity. Now, systems yes. two is here's what we're doing now, but what are the uh, consequences if we don't deal with the entire complexity of it long term? Where are we going yes. long term? Yes. And what you're yes. saying is 
is, Chuck, look, I've been thinking about this a great deal, and I've been thinking long-term strategies for most of my life. I've been doing what I can to practice uh, systems two thinking, and thank goodness now we have a name for it. It's a very interesting thing. Uh, Kahneman wrote a book called Thinking Fast and Slow, and it's yeah, all about yeah. this. About this. Yes. And so, yes, yes. but you're going to be included on that page, by the way, because I think a lot of what we're talking about, and you're a leading expert, international expert on thinking and the process of cognition as it applies to everyday life. 20 books is a library, no question about it. <laughs> and, and, and so then the issue is, you know, here is Dr. Ned Hollowell saying, guys, this is something we should be paying more attention to and have a higher degree of structure in terms of the way we approach these complex matters for the evolution of humankind. Now, he didn't quite say it that way, but that's, that is the message. Absolutely, it is. Absolutely, it is. And, and, and how can we... How can we develop systems, structures, tendencies, habits, policies, whatever you want to call them, that promote love? You know, at, at the at the core, that's that's the uh, that's the force that does the most good. And uh, anything we can do to promote that, and and its cousins, affiliation, attachment, bonding, call it whatever you want, but that's you know. What the world needs now is love, and that's mm, was true when Dionne Warwick sang it, and it's true today. And, and uh, um, you know, it, it's a it's it's a tough sell. You know, it, it's a, love is a tough sell. I'm I'm not exactly sure why, but uh, you know, I wrote a book about forgiveness, and it didn't sell all that well. And I often it was called Dare to Forgive, and I often thought if I really wanted to set, write a bestseller, I should write a book called Get Even. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, would, that would walk off the shelves, Ned. <laughs> walk off the fly off the shelves. Yeah. You know. Get yeah. even. Get steps. even. How to get even. Here is how you can get even. Okay. <laughs> get even and stay out of jail. You know. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Ned, so, I have so much enjoyed talking to you. I'm looking at the time because I know you got a hard ending here. You got it. We got to get you done. So. I think we need to close a little bit. We've t covered a number of points. Listeners, I'm going to have uh, the references to Dr. Hollowell's books on the uh, show notes, the links. I think we want to, we're going to have the link to his podcast. Uh, I need to get over and listen to it. I've just been so busy I haven't listened to it, and I apologize for that. But I think it's going to be very – do you do interviews over there, or what happens? Do you have – or is it mainly your thought about what's going oh, on? No, no, no. It's, they're all interactive. Uh, uh, it's all interviews. Uh, I did one yesterday. We went to an animal shelter. And uh, I interviewed some dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so they woofed at you, huh? <laughs> no, it's all, it's all interaction. Uh, we should have you on the podcast. It would be fun. One day it would be fun. Yeah, yeah. It would be fun to have you ask me questions. So yeah. where would you, in closing, what's, uh, what are a couple sites that you want to make sure that people go to? Thank you again for being on. And so let's close with where we can go to connect with you. Well, I'd, I'd love you to go to my podcast, uh, distractionpodcast.com, and mm -hmm. uh, feast your eyes on that. And, of course, mm -hmm. my website is just drhallowell.com, D-R, no period, hallowell.com. Um, also, just to my, uh, a website that I'm intimately involved with, an incredible free resource uh, uh, called understood.org, understood.org. Uh, just a wealth of incredibly valuable information, very interestingly presented to 
aimed at parents of children who have learning differences. So those are, those are a few sites that I'd love to direct people to. Well, and you folks need to know, I didn't say it in the intro because there was so much to talk about, but Dr. Hollowell, had, what do you have, four clinics around the United States that, are, yeah. that, you, that you run? And want to, go ahead, yeah. and you want to mention those? Sure, one outside of Boston in Sudbury, Massachusetts, which is where I am right now. Uh, one in Manhattan on the Upper West Side, which is where I'll be tomorrow. And then one in San Francisco, which is very small, but hopefully growing. And then another one in Seattle that's run by a wonderful woman, uh, Leslie Todaro. And, and uh, so we, we hope to expand beyond that, but the, that's, a, that's a start anyway. You're doing such a service. Well, as Dr. Are you. Hollowell, we appreciate, we appreciate what you're doing. Appreciate your input. Thank you for taking the time today and spending the, spending the time with me and with our audience. Really appreciate it. Thanks a million, Chuck. It's been a real pleasure. You have a good day, buddy. You too. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Core Brain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because, as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications, like those written for ADHD, are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.